Well, good morning to each and every one of you. Good morning to those of you joining us online, especially if you're here because of our kids uh, in the service, if, if you came to watch one of them or if this service was shared with you um, because of, of a child, a relative, a friend, um, we wish you a warm welcome. And uh, aren't kids great? Like, don't you just love... I mean, they were just, they were great in leading us in worship, and they've been practicing for weeks, um, but I just love to watch the joy that they do everything with, especially when they know they're the center of attention, and I love worshiping with our Kids Way ministry this morning, and uh, it's been interesting leading uh, through a sermon series titled, Do You See What I See?, and realizing that to see Christmas through the eyes of a child is a blessing wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, whether you're on the mountaintops with them or you're in the valleys, that joy that they have is contagious and infectious. And I've prayed several times this season to see Christmas through the eyes of a child. I've been observing my children, especially the younger two, um, because their joy is a little less restrained. Um, And it's just a joy to see them do things. We go through our different traditions and customs of Christmas Uh, I've paid attention to them and what is significant uh, to them in each moment. And there have been some insights into our series, especially in today's message. See, so far we've been working from the outside in. We started with the partially informed public of Nazareth. Uh, Then we moved a little bit closer to Jesus with those who have no room in Bethlehem, the innkeepers. Last week we got very close with Zechariah as he receives information and doubts at first. And so these have been somewhat non-traditional. Typically we talk about Mary and Joseph and maybe the shepherds or the wise men, but, but as we've moved closer, we've been able to view the Christmas story from different angles and different perspectives and ask that question, do you see what I see? Because we must remember and we must recognize that not everybody sees what we see at Christmas. But today we get to come to someone who saw who recognized Jesus before he was even born, before the person we're talking about was even born. This week we're going to look at those who are jumping for joy. Last week we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth as they received this information, and and it sort of bookends the beginning and end of Luke chapter 1. Today we'll be kind of in the middle of that passage uh, as John the Baptist recognizes Jesus before John the Baptist is even born. It's a wonderful, wonderful story as we consider, do you see what I see? And it reminds me of a phrase my dad used to say. When he would tell me to do something, he would tell me to do it immediately, if not sooner. (laughs) You ever heard that one? And it's like John the Baptist had a calling on his life, and he he recognized Jesus immediately, if not sooner before he was even born. So if you turn uh, with me to Luke chapter 1, if you're using one of our Bibles here in the sanctuary, that's page 1588. While you get there, I'll give you a little bit of context. I mentioned uh, that last week we looked at the angelic visit when Gabriel visits Zechariah. And then after he leaves Zechariah, Gabriel goes and visits Mary. And we're told that he visits Mary in the sixth month. It's talking about the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, not the six months of Mary's pregnancy. And he tells Mary the news about Jesus. And it's a similar conversation to the conversation that he has with Zechariah. 
So as Gabriel is visiting with Mary, there's some similarities in the way that, that the information is conveyed, but there's one significant difference between the conversation that Gabriel has with Zechariah and the conversation Gabriel has with Mary. And that difference is Mary's response. In verse 34, after she hears this news that she's going to have a child, she doesn't say like Zechariah did, how can I be sure? She says, how will this be? How will this be? She's presuming that it's going to take place, and she's just asking, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It's a legitimate question, just like Zechariah had legitimate questions. But she's not asking for a sign. She's believing. She's trusting. She's just saying, how will this be? And she concludes that passage, that interaction, by responding to him, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And that brings us right up to verse 39. We'll read 39 through 45 now. At this time, at that time, after the angel left, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So in this passage, kind of to go back to the beginning of it and work through it verse by verse, we see that once the angel leaves Mary, she gets up and hurries. She gets up and hurries out of excitement and joy. I think I used to cons- at least speculate that maybe she's like, this news is, is very challenging news. I want to get out of town. But the whole passage, when we take the passage as a whole, we see that there's great joy and great excitement. She's excited about the news that was also going to affect her relative, Elizabeth. She knew Elizabeth's age, and she knew that this was a miracle, and she wanted to share that joy. And so as we work through this passage, I want you to see our bottom line a number of different times and in a number of different ways from different angles, and that bottom line is that joy is best when it's shared. Joy is best when it's shared, that, that when we hold the joy to ourselves, it's great, But once we begin to share it, it has a multiplying effect. And I would say with children, when joy starts to get shared among children, it has an exponential effect, right? It's not just multiplying. I mean, it's doing that vertical curve thing. Because the joy is contagious and it's infectious. And joy is best when it's shared. And we see her desire to share that joy. And we see the response of Elizabeth and John the Baptist as Mary comes to share in that joy. In verse 41, we're told that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where we get our title today, that twice in this short passage, we're told that the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. John the Baptist was literally jumping for joy before he was even born, just at the opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. And Mary and Elizabeth are sharing with their joy, so John the Baptist says, well, I'm going to get in on this too. 
And it seemed appropriate to focus on this today with Kids Way helping lead in worship. But I wonder if we're careful and if we're intentional, maybe we can learn something about joy from children. How quickly they can go from sorrow to joy always astounds me. They can be very upset, distraught, frustrated about something, and then everything can change. And they can go from very low to very high very quickly. Or they can be feeling sick and tired and, and kind of crummy all day, and then they start to feel a little bit better, and next thing you know, they're tearing up all over the house, having fun, laughing, giggling, running. It's just amazing how quickly they can transition. And so, like I said, we can learn some about joy from children. But I also think it's interesting when we're looking at John the Baptist to look at what the angel Gabriel told Zechariah about John the Baptist. So we're going to take a time out or a little pause in our conversation between Gabriel and Mary to go back to the conversation between Gabriel and Zechariah. In verse 14 through 17 of Luke chapter 1, just look up a page or two before, we see what Zechariah heard from Gabriel about John the Baptist. He says, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he... John the Baptist had prophecies about his life as well. And those prophecies have a lot of joy in them. In verse 14, we're told he will be a joy and a delight. Not only will he be a joy and delight to Zechariah and to Elizabeth as they receive this child in their old age, but he will, he will be a joy and a delight to others. Many will rejoice, we're told in verse 14. Many will rejoice in this child. Many will rejoice in John the Baptist and his ministry leading the way for Christ. And we're told in verse 15, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting, even from birth, John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in our passage, in verse 41, we're told that Mary, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit at this point. And I wonder if that doesn't point to some divine revelation that Elizabeth has, because what she shares next is she bursts forth in joy and she speaks this little poem or hymn over Mary's life. What she shares is inspired. Nobody has told her about Mary yet. Nobody has told Elizabeth the news that Mary has received, but she knows it because she's been filled with the Holy Spirit and she's able to speak with the words of the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 42 and 43, we're told that in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And so what she's sharing was revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. And she receives that news, and she proclaims that news with great joy and with great excitement. In fact, when it says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, the literal translation of that is, she shouted a great shout. <laughs> like she was just overwhelmed with joy at what was taking place, at what was happening, as everything was coming together. And this would be pretty undignified and pretty unusual for an elderly woman to shout with a great shout, to, 
to exclaim in a loud voice. But I think that's further proof that, that joy is best when it's shared, that joy multiplies and, and has an exponential effect when it's shared. In fact, even the baby in her womb is leaping for joy, we're told, in verse 44. That as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, she says, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, the ESV footnote makes an important point on this verse right here, and we would be remiss to overlook it. The ESV footnote says that the unborn child at the sixth month of pregnancy is here portrayed as a distinct person and capable of joy. And one of the things I love about this part of the Christmas story is that we have from the unborn to the very old, those in old age, we're told, of Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're all part of the story. And they're lifting up and showing to us and highlighting the sanctity, the dignity, and the value of human life from natural birth, even before natural birth, all the way to natural death. That all of these, all of these people, from the unborn to the very old, have a part to play. That the good news is good news for everyone. The good news is good news to John the Baptist, even in the womb. And the good news is good news to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, who we're told are in old age. And everyone in between, to the young mother Mary, to Joseph the carpenter, to the shepherds out in their flocks, to everyone who hears the news. It is what the angels called good news of great joy. And so there's a generational significance, no generation more significant than the other. And it underscores that the gospel, that the good news, that the good news of great joy is for everyone. For everyone. And as I look out over this sanctuary, I see from the very young to the very old, and I won't make eye contact with anybody when I say the very old, but we've got a pretty good spread in here today. And what we're talking about is good news of great joy for all people. And joy is best when it's shared with everyone. It's for everyone. Now also in verse 44, I want you to see something that I had never noticed before, that I had never paid attention to before. And that is that the joy that is mentioned at the end of verse 44, that the baby in her womb, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy. The word that is used for joy there is not the word that is used hundreds of other times in the New Testament for joy. It's a word that's only used five times in the New Testament referring to joy. And twice, or right here in Luke chapter 1. It's the Greek word agaliase. Agaliase. Anybody want to say agaliase? Anybody want to try that one? Agaliase. Okay, good job. It has to do with particularly exuberant or intense joy and gladness. It's a wild joy, an ecstatic delight, exaltation, and exhilaration from the unborn, John the Baptist, to the very old, Elizabeth. There was agaliase. There was great joy, exuberant joy, wild, ecstatic joy. And I mentioned that it was a second time in this broader passage, a second time in Luke chapter 1. Do you want to know where the other time is? 
It's when Mary sings her own song. When it wells up within her just after this, in verse 46 and 47, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And it's not the normal word for joy there. When her spirit rejoices, it's agaliese again. It's that wild joy, ecstatic delight, exultation and exhilaration. Her spirit is rejoicing beyond its own capacity. It's rejoicing at the good news. It's rejoicing at the recognition, at the validation, I believe, of all that has been proclaimed to her. And I couldn't help but think of John the Baptist's words. When he learns that Jesus, the Messiah, has come and that he is the Messiah and he's beginning his earthly ministry, at the end of John chapter 3, he uses this, this statement And he uses a a parallel to to try to help his audience understand just how great his joy is. He uses the example of a bride and a bridegroom. And I want you to think for just a moment of the last wedding you were at. And how exciting the bride and the bridegroom were for for the marriage that was about to take place. And he, he uses this as an illustration. He says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. And so he recognizes his part. This is John the Baptist speaking as an adult, as Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry, and he realizes my whole life up to this point has been for this moment to proclaim and to herald the coming Messiah, and his joy is overwhelming. It's bubbling up within him, but it's also being complete, becoming complete. He said, that joy is mine, and it is now complete. Now here he's using the word that is usually used for joy, kara, C-H-A-R-A, kara joy. It's at the root of grace. It's at the root of thanksgiving. It's, it's this biblical concept of joy that has so much more to do with God's promises being fulfilled than it has to do with the circumstances. And that's significant. That's a significant point because John the Baptist is nearing the end of his life. His life, his purpose was to announce the Messiah. And we all know the story of John the Baptist does not end well. But his joy was made complete because he got to share his joy with everyone. He got to point everyone to Jesus. He got to share the good news of the Messiah with everyone. And if you've been watching the Chosen miniseries, this this production of the life of Jesus, this most recent one focused on John the Baptist, and he receives the news of what Jesus is doing and the miracles that are taking place, and he's so excited. And he's hearing this news in a prison. He's hearing this news basically on death row. And he's so excited. And he's filled with joy, even in some of the darkest circumstances that we could imagine. Because joy is best when it's shared. And he gets to share in the joy of the Messiah. Now this passage ends in verse 45 with Elizabeth commending Mary's faith. And there's an interesting contrast here to Zechariah's. I don't think she's throwing shade on Zechariah. I don't think there's any sharp elbows at this point. I think she's just commending Mary 
when she says, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. She's saying, Blessed are you, Mary, for not only what is in your womb, but for believing the news that came to you, for acting in faith. And there's an interesting combination here in in this passage of faith, of hope, and of patience that culminates in joy. And joy that is regardless of circumstances. Make no mistake, Mary's life is complicated and endangered by the news that has come to her. It's complicated, her life. It has endangered her life to be pregnant and not married at this time and in this place. And yet she is filled with joy, and Elizabeth is calling out that joy and is saying, even in the waiting, even in the suffering, even in difficulty, there is joy. There is incredible joy. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is good news, and it is good news for everyone. It is good news for all people at all times and in all places because joy is best when it's shared. And so that's a lot that I wanted you to know about this passage. But there's also something I want you to do as a result of this. You know, James said in his letter, this is James, the brother of Jesus, he said in his letter that we are not to be hearers only of the word and so deceive ourselves, but to be doers, to be doers of the word. To not just hear it and be content to hear it, but to do what it says. That's when we're really blessed. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to share the joy of Christmas. And not just in, okay, I'll go share the joy. But like, be strategic, be intentional, think about it. Ask God to show you somebody that needs the joy of Christmas. Maybe because they're grieving. Maybe because they've never heard of it. Maybe because they're going through a really difficult season, a really difficult circumstance, and they just need a little extra joy. And you can bring it. You can share it. And here's what will happen if you do. Not only will they experience some joy that they wouldn't have otherwise, but you will too. Joy has that multiplying effect. It has that compounding effect. That joy, when it's shared, it multiplies. It increases. I want to share with you some good news. Something that you get to be a part of this Christmas. And that is that we've been very blessed financially this year. And we became aware of a need at our Cleveland Elementary where we've been partnering for years. That that there was over $6,000 of unpaid school lunch debt that for several years, lunches were all free for everybody. And then there was a transition, and a lot of parents missed the boat, and they didn't get transitioned right away, and and they had school lunch debts that were accumulating. And we've been able to work with the staff and the leadership at Cleveland Elementary to wipe the slate clean for every family at Cleveland Elementary so they can start the new year with a blank slate. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we have the opportunity to to even dream about something like that. There's a lot of churches that are struggling financially this year. They've felt the tide turn, and Linwood hasn't. You've continued to provide, and God has continued to provide, and we get to share a lot of joy this year at Christmas. And a lot of people are going to open up a statement that showed a number they didn't have any idea how they were going to pay off, and now it's zero. So thank you for that. But don't let it stop there. And don't just 
kind of share the joy. Like find somebody that you can, you can share agaliase joy with, exuberant joy, contagious, infectious joy. And so as our worship team comes up, as we prepare to close, I want to encourage you to be intentional and to be strategic and to be prayerful and think, who can I share this joy with? Think about family. Think about friends. Think about coworkers. Pray that God will show you strangers that you can share the joy of Christmas with, strangers that you can help see what you see at Christmas. Multiply it with other believers. Don't stop there. It's not just for people who don't see what we see. We can multiply and, and exponentially increase the joy that all of us experience around Christmas. But share it and spread it with those who don't see what we see. When you came in, there were some invite cards on your seats. I want to really encourage you to take at least one of these. If not more, there's some more on the tables as you leave. Take at least one of these and invite somebody to Christmas Eve service. We're going to be at 4 and 5.30 this year because on Saturday we're going to start a little bit earlier and try to even out the, the two services. We want you to know we're going to be here on Christmas morning at 10.30 for a family service. So bring the whole family. Bring anybody that you've got with us. If you've got kids, we've got tables at the back for them to hang out. Uh, but we would love to have your family here on Christmas morning. It just didn't seem like we could cancel service on Christmas Day. And maybe you know somebody that needs a place to be on Christmas Day and needs to be with people and not be alone. Invite them to our Christmas service at 1030 on the 25th. We'll also be doing one service at 1030 on New Year's Eve. So if you're wondering, well, how are they going to do that? We'll do one service on Christmas Eve as well, and then we'll return to our normal service uh, times on the 8th of January. But I have said this before, and I really believe this, that someone you know is hoping that someone they know will invite them to church this Christmas. I want you to find out who it is. And that might mean you have to invite several people. But when you find that, finally get that yes, then you'll know who it was that was hoping that you would invite them to Christmas. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are thankful, thankful for your goodness and grace, thankful for the joy that is available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We are thankful that joy is best when it's shared. Show us who to share it with, Lord. Show each and every one of us who to share it with. Help us to multiply the joy that we feel to spread that joy like wildfire, that it would well up within us, not just because things are going well, but even when things aren't, regardless of our circumstances, Lord, let us respond to the good news of Christmas with the same joy that had John the Baptist leaping within the womb that, that caused Mary to rejoice, that caused Elizabeth to rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy of Christmas. Help us to share it. Help us to spread it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.